This morning, I'm going to begin a new series. That's either good or bad news, depending on your past experience. But the new series is Unburdened. Unburdened of what? Well, what is it that keeps you from falling asleep or wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning? That's what I'm talking about. Or what you think about when you wake up in the morning and it just nags at you the whole day. It's always there. It never goes away. Or perhaps it's something that just wears you out day after day so you reach the end of the day thinking, this is sucking the life out of me. And I just can't keep going on like this. We have all sorts of burdens we live with. Jesus talked about burdens, and he made it clear that that's not the way Christians should live. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be times when we encounter very difficult circumstances and events. Jesus himself, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating drops of blood. He knew what it was to be burdened, no question. But Jesus also makes it clear that the normal Christian life, what is typical of the Christian life is not to live under a heavy burden, but it's to have peace of mind. He says this in Matthew chapter 11. Let's read verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rabbis would often speak of obeying the commandments of God as taking on a yoke submitting to the will of God. So they would talk about taking on the yoke of Torah. Well, Jesus here says, I want you to take on my yoke and I want you to learn from me. Jesus was a lot of things, but included in all the, that long resume, Jesus was a teacher and he was teaching us how to live. He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you, my teaching. I want you to take it into your life. And what you're going to discover is that you will be free of your burden and instead you will find rest for your souls. The word soul here in Greek is suke, and it can be translated life or self or soul, sometimes even mind because we get psyche from this word. Psychology comes from this word. So when Jesus talks about rest for your soul, he is talking about peace of mind. He gave us his teachings that we might live with peace of mind instead of all the burdens that we carry. Unfortunately, we don't always comply with what the Lord commands us to do, and we don't always take his teachings seriously, and that causes a problem. You know, I read recently that Consumer Reports did a survey of over 600 doctors, and they report on it in an article titled, What Doctors Wish People Knew. And in that article, we learn 
that the thing that frustrates doctors more than anything else is noncompliance on the part of their patients. They prescribe a treatment regimen and then the patient leaves and doesn't do it. Or they receive a prescription and they never fill it. Something like 15 to 20% of all prescriptions that are written by physicians in the United States are never filled. And the ones that are, up to 40 to 50% are not taken as prescribed. And often, whoever has received the prescription doesn't take all of the medicine. In fact, studies have shown that as many as 125,000 people a year die for not properly taking the medicines that have been prescribed for them by physicians. This causes never-ending frustration, as you might imagine, for doctors. So why is it that patients don't comply? Well, sometimes they don't understand what it is that they've been asked to do. So the doctor's telling them, you need to do this, you need to do that, and they're nodding their head, and they don't get any of it. They walk out the door, and, and they forget. Or maybe they don't have the money for the medicine. Or maybe they, they don't like the symptoms, the side effects of the medicine that they've been given. Or often what happens is they go pick up the prescription, they take the prescription, Everything's fine, but then they start feeling better. And so they don't finish the round of, of dosage that they're intended to finish. And as a result, they may feel great, but the bacteria might still be circulating in the body and might come back with a vengeance. Noncompliance on the part of patients, that's what frustrates doctors. Surely, that's what frustrates Jesus if Jesus gets frustrated. That we don't comply with his teaching. Jesus is, remember, a teacher. He is our Savior. He died on a cross for us. He rose again from the dead. He gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. All these things are true, but Jesus also taught how to live. And if we don't receive his teaching and take it to heart and do it if we are non-compliant, well, big surprise that we live with burdens. And frankly, I think a lot of us live with burdens that we shouldn't carry because we don't take the Lord's yoke upon us and learn from him. Jesus makes a very similar point in John chapter 8. Let me read to you what he said to a group of people who had just come to believe in him. As they heard him preach and they thought, yes, yes, this is Messiah, and they believed in him. Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, if you take it to heart, if you let it shape your thoughts and determine your course of life, then you're really my disciples. You can give lip service to following me, but it's when you follow my teaching, when you are compliant 
with my instructions, it's then that you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you'll find his bird, the, your burdens are light because the Lord is guiding you through life. Now you notice he speaks of the truth, not my truth. People talk about my truth today, meaning whatever strikes me as being true, but that's more non-compliance. That's like, that's like the person who goes to the doctor, hears everything they say, don't, they don't really believe it, so they go home and they Google all their symptoms and prescribe for themselves. They discover my truth and they're heading for disaster. And that's what it is. Jesus says, if you will hold to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. No, Jesus, I'm gonna Google all the options, and I'm going to discover my truth. No, 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 no. Also, you notice he speaks of truth and not feelings. It's very important for us, especially in our culture that puts such a premium on feelings to understand the priority of truth over feelings. Feelings are really significant, but not for discerning the truth about God, about the world, about other people, about the proper way of life, of right and wrong. Feelings reveal something about you. They might reveal your physiology. That is, there may be something in your body that is causing you to have mood swings one way or the other. More likely, your feelings are going to reveal your perceptions, how you view God and other people and the world. In other words, your thoughts will give rise to feelings. And the thing about feelings is they always feel right. Isn't that true? I have never been angry when my anger didn't convince me that it was justified. Are you the same way? You have a feeling and it has a self-authenticating character to it. But the truth is, it's no better than the thoughts that gave rise to it. And your feelings will feel the same if they're based on truth or if they're based on error. Suppose you walked in this morning and somebody told you, somebody you really trusted, everybody's watching you, everybody's listening to you. They're going to find every flaw, every mistake, and as soon as church is over, they're going to post it on the internet. <laughs> now, you believe that. You know how you're feeling at this moment if you believe that. You are, your stomach's churning inside. You are tense. You are worried. It's messing with you. It doesn't matter that it's not true. If you believe it's going to be true, you're going to have that reaction. So Jesus isn't talking about feelings. Again, feelings are important because sometimes our feelings tell us that we're holding certain beliefs, certain attitudes, certain perspectives. We're perceiving things in certain ways that aren't serving us well, that don't line up with truth. Now, obviously, 
sometimes knowing the truth will cause you to be sad or, or depressed for a period of time. Sometimes life is hard. We get that. But the feelings that we have sometimes when they don't, when they don't obey our will, they sometimes tell us something else is going on. And that's where truth steps in to put things right, to straighten things out in our lives, to bring us to freedom. When I first became a Christian, I didn't know anything. I mean, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't, I didn't know anything from that. But I did know this. I knew that Billy Graham was a Christian. <laughs> I knew that. And I knew Billy Graham knew something. Because, you know, he's Billy Graham. So I got, I got literature from Billy Graham because I thought that will, that will teach me something about being a Christian. And there's this little booklet he had, Peace with God. Did you ever see that? I mean, it was distributed in the millions of copies. And in there, there was a diagram of a train that became famous. You've probably seen this diagram before. And you've got a train and the engine is fact, the car being pulled by the engine is faith, and then the caboose at the end, feelings. Now, feelings are not insignificant. They are part of the train. But what pulls the train, facts, or as I've been talking about, truth, that takes the priority. Faith is a matter of holding to that truth. And then feelings fall in line with that. Now, life is messy. Nobody's perfect. And so it doesn't all work instantaneously and easily. But nonetheless, what the Lord is calling us to is to be guided by truth, not my truth, and not by feelings, but what, by what he teaches. If I do that, then it changes my life. Jesus makes this very clear when he first appears on the scene in the Gospel of Mark. It opens up, first chapter, 15th verse, Jesus arrives and it, he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God ha has come near, repent and believe the good news. Repent, he says. Metan, metanoeo is in the Greek. It's a, it's a verb. Repent. Now, what's interesting is um, this verb and the, the, the noun form, metanoia, the word does in certain contexts mean repent. So if you're talking about sin, you repent, you change your mind about that sin, and you recognize it was wrong. So also about things that have happened, maybe mistakes you've made, you can come to regret them. So metanoia can be translated as regret. But the basic meaning of metanoia is to change your mind. It's to change your mind. It's that simple. It's a much broader concept then repent. Sometimes it means repent in a particular context, but the word itself has a much broader meaning of simply changing your mind. So here's Jesus coming to preach the gospel. And he says, I want you to know a new kingdom has dawned. The kingdom of God has drawn near. 
So I want you to change your minds. I want you to look at things a different way and believe this good news that I'm declaring to you. Change your mind, your perspective. Align it by truth. That's what he's saying. To do that is to take his yoke upon you, to learn of him, and to find rest for your soul, to find peace of mind. To do that is to hold to the truth and find the truth sets you free. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind. Or here's how Paul put it in Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. There in Greek, it's noose for mind. It means mindset. In other words, you got to change your perspective on life. You have to rethink things. Then you are transformed. Metanoia, change your mind, is the word from which we get metamorphosis. We think of metamorphosis as a caterpillar forming a cocoon, and then eventually bursting out as a butterfly, transformed. Paul says, be not conformed to this world and its ways of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the metamorphosis begin. So this series is going to focus on being unburdened through truth. But here's the thing. We have to deal with particulars. See, when I followed Christ, when I became a Christian, in principle, I decided I am changing my mind, my past full of sin and error. Jesus is the way I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm holding nothing back. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. In principle, I decided I'm going to take his yoke upon me and learn from him. But what I've discovered along the way is that even though in principle I decided it's all out for Jesus, there are a whole lot of areas where I wasn't doing it and haven't done it the way Jesus would have me do it. Can you say the same thing? It's been a long process of learning not just in principle to, to adopt the truth of Christ, but in particular. So I have to change the way I think about myself, about my life, about what's valuable, about who God is, how God is in relating to me, relating to other people. I have to change my, my way of understanding other people See, if I don't, I can find myself in, in fear, in depression, in so many different dark places because I'm not living in the truth of God and the truth of his kingdom. I'm living in error. So it's one thing to say in principle that, yes, I'm following Christ. It's another to say in particular, in the details, and that's what we're going to do in the next few weeks. We're going to look at the details. We're going to look at the particular areas or many particular areas where our thinking 
get skewed, where we miss the teaching of Christ with the direct result that we live with burdens that as Christians we shouldn't live with. So what I'm asking from you this morning is really very simple. It's that first step, making the commitment in principle, because that's where it has to begin. It has to begin with saying, you know what? My truth, that's nonsense. I need the truth, the truth of Christ. My feelings, not unimportant, but also not the first thing and not primary. I need to learn to live from truth, the truth revealed in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow the truth. For some of us, it might mean a complete change of direction. You've been living your own way for a long time. And what you need to do now, if you want your life really changed, is to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and I'll follow you. You need to change your mind about what it's all about and decide to follow Jesus. Use the old-fashioned word, repent. On some level, we all need to do that. But I'm asking you, if you don't know Christ, to make that decision today. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I invite you as I pray to give your life to Christ. But we're going to do something else that we, we often do. But at the close of the service, we're going to have a time of worship, and we're going to have people by these two crosses to pray. The Bible says that, that we need to share our burdens with one another, and we need to pray for one another, that we might be healed. And we want people to, to, to receive from God, and we don't want anyone to come to church with a burden on their heart without being able to receive prayer that God would would work in their life and work in the situation. So if you have a burden you'd like to share and you'd like someone to pray for you, as we're singing, just make your way to one of these crosses and there'll be people who are there to pray for you. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've not left us in darkness, but you've sent light in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Not only saving us, but showing us the way to blessedness. May we, may we learn to lay our burdens down and follow the way you've given us. And for any here that have not before this day made the decision to turn it all over to you, may you give them grace to do that now. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.